Um, today, who's on your B-reel? Who's on your b How many of you have a B-reel? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, have it's like, it's like, I don't know if I want to admit it. I mean, it's okay. I don't. My wife does. She's constantly taking pictures of me. <laughs> but uh, I thought I'd share with you, if you're not aware of it, you know, if you're on Facebook, that just means you're old. And I'm on Facebook, so I'm one of those old guys. Uh, Instagram, B-Reel is probably, one of the, uh, probably, probably the newer thing, I think. But here's some pictures of uh, B-Reel that you, you just have to be aware of. So the thing about B-Reel is you can only post once a day, and you have to use both sides of the camera, and you have to post to see yeah who do you think put that picture in there right you have to post to see each other's post and there are no filters with b-real so it is what it is it's people that you genuinely want to see i like Avery's picture and there's no algorithm with b-real either it's pretty authentic so wherever you're at if you want to if you want to see you know other people's posts you gotta you got to post. Uh, my wife's on it, and really, it's, it's, she's having a lot of fun on it, but my, my daughter's on it, so we get to see what she is doing. Um, social media has really impacted friendships in a lot of ways. What do you think about it a little bit? Um, even our definition of a real friend. Um, social media has said you could have a lot of friends, and you don't even need to talk to them every day. You don't need to talk to them every week. You don't need to talk to them every month. In fact, you don't need to talk to them every year. And all you have to do is every once in a while, just click this like button, don't you? And check it out. You don't even have to read the entire post. They don't know it. Just click on it. It's low maintenance. And you don't have to give anything either. It's just a relationship that's kind of there. It's, it's not a sacrificial kind of relationship. It doesn't cost you to have this friendship. And the other cool thing about social media, with the exception of B-Real, is the other cool thing is you can go to people's uh, page and, or, or Instagram, whatever it is, and you can look through their stuff, and you don't even have to tell them that you visited it. You can just stalk them, right? <laughs> You're like, what's going on? And you can watch it, and then you could bounce out of it and say, well, they're my friend, and I was just nosy. I was just curious. I wanted to see what they were doing. But I don't think I want them to know I was in their house. I don't think I want them to know that. So social media has also made it really, really easy to unfriend, to block you know, when you unfriend someone, you know, they may not know it until they might get a suggestion to be a friend of yours or something. <laughs> okay, well, I thought I was your friend. What's up with that? But you could block them and they may not know it. You can hide them and they may not know it. So how has that affected our real life? In our real life, we can treat people like we do in social media life. We can do that very easily. Very easily. Unfriending. In fact, uh, my son told me that, that for Gen Z's, social media is about entertainment. It's not about connecting with friends. It's just about entertainment. That's all it is. So here's the truth. Some of us are more comfortable looking at a screen than we are talking to someone in person. Some of us are more comfortable, you know, hanging out, looking at our phone or looking at our laptop or whatever it is and spending maybe hours, confession time, right? Hours, and you'd rather do that than go and hang out with someone at Starbucks or whatever, like, or, whatever or, or being in a room with a crowd of people. That might be scary for you, but you're totally cool, you know, looking at different pages and that kind of thing. What does a real friend look like? What is a real friend? That's what we're looking at today. What does a real friend look like? 
um, when I was in uh, San Antonio and I preached on uh, Sunday, and I, I, I posted something, and I had, uh, I had friends show up. Like, these are high school friends. I had this one guy, his name's Greg, and, and I, I've known him since, like, second grade. And, and when I, I mean, the guy's, like, older, and he's got hair all over his face, and he's just, you know, he's a fun guy. Uh, very colorful personality. But he remembers when I was in second grade, and he was in second grade, and we got in trouble with a teacher, and we were, like, like writing lines on the chalkboard. You guys remember lines? Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. That's like, I will not punch her again. I will not punch her again. I will. One of those things. I got in trouble so much. So for him, he and I, all he remembers is we got in trouble together a lot. That's all he remembers. But I'm so grateful for those longtime friendships. Do anybody have longtime friendships like that? They're special. They're really special. So I asked our staff, what does a real friend look like? And here's some things that they said. They help you move. <laughs> Isn't that good? Let's just be honest. For some of us, it's like, do you need help moving? <laughs> like, or I will ask you later, knowing that... The, Someone else has helped you already, and if I ask you at the right time, I can get credit for asking you. Yeah, come on now, I'm talking to some real people. You know who you are. Don't act like you've never done that before. Or how about this? They answer your phone call at 2 a.m. You have anyone like that? You call them at 2 a.m., they answer the phone. Or they, uh, they get, they, you get invited to stuff. You get invited to stuff. That could be hard. Have you ever looked at you know, social media and you look at some kind of party or get together and that you see all your friends and you think, hmm, why wasn't I invited? People have walked away for lesser reasons, guys. People have walked away. You could be somewhere and sit in silence. I thought that was interesting. This is what someone said. So like they're comfortable, like we can sit together and our relationship is so good we don't even have to, you know, talk. You can be with someone. You don't have to speak to them every day. That just sounds like an angry person who said that. Um, you're, you're vulnerable. They understand how you process. That's a big deal, isn't it? They just know you, and they still love you. They've seen you at your worst, and they're still your friend. Isn't that good? You know that other side that we don't typically let people see or want people to see? That side? They can tell you when you're wrong. And get this, they can tell you when you're wrong, and here's this other side, and you listen to them. You listen to them. You receive what they have to say. Um, Robin Dunbar, he's a psychologist from Oxford University. Um, he... Uh, he was famous in the 1990s for creating this Dunbar social number or social network. And what he has, uh, after some studying and research, he concluded that for the average person, um, we have five, approximately five, approximately really close BFFs, okay? Really close friends. This is the tight group. That, that we call, and, and incidentally, this could include family members as well, um, but these are five people, approximately, that we have that are just, they know you. They know you. And then 25 
are good friends. 25 are good friends. Um, these are the ones you hang out with, and you're going to, hey, you want to go check out a movie? Let's go, you know, kind of thing. Um, and then you have uh, uh, about 100 or so friends that you might call friends that are just kind of on the fringe. But check this out. 150 is what Dunbar has said is the maximum number, approximately, the maximum number of our ability to maintain relationships. According to our brain and the way we connect with people, around 150 people is about the max. So, and that includes relationships with the barista at Starbucks. I mean, it's about 150 people, and that's about what we can manage. And after that, you know, you have, you have others, you have 250, um, then 500, you know, it gets into acquaintances and people that you might recognize, but not have a relationship with them. I did a little research on the, the power of friendships. And did you know um, having friends could actually benefit your health? Have you heard of that? Physi physically, um, social connection is linked to lower blood pressure, lower BMI, less inflammation, and a reduced risk of diabetes. Social, social relationships. And studies have shown it's not, the, it's not the quantity, but it's the quality of friendships that you have. And check this out. The people who had the most satisfaction in their friendships at the age of 50 were the healthiest and happiest at the age of 80. That interesting? And moreover, loneliness was as closely linked to early death as smoking or alcoholism. Wow. Loneliness. Loneliness. In the Bible, you see all kinds of examples of uh, friendships. You know, one of the popular ones is David and Jonathan. They had a friendship. I mean, they were soul brothers. Jonathan protected David. David shared everything with him. Do you have a Jonathan in your life? Those are special. If someone invited you to church, you should kiss them because they care about your soul. They care about your soul. Another relationship that's pretty famous is uh, found in the book of Job. It's Job and his friends. Now these friends, I mean, they were bright. They were articulate. They were educated. They, they had a relationship with God, but they did not give Job great advice. They thought they were giving Job wise advice, but it wasn't from God. And these guys, it's like they went to church, but they weren't really surrendered to God completely. The Spirit of God was not motivating them. Uh, one of the relationships that's not talked a lot about is a relationship with Elijah and Elisha. The reason why I like those two is those two guys are workhorses. They're dogs for the kingdom of God. Those two guys locked arms together, and, and, and their primary purpose was to do the work of God. You know, I, I can tell you at church, um, the people that lock arms, the people that say, hey, I will be there, and I will help, and I will serve, and I'll be there at prayer night and I'll be there to help out with that event, and I'll be there to help out on the weekend, those are the people you develop a bond with because you're all working together with a common goal. And there's a sacrifice and a, an agreement for the purpose of God. 
Those people are special. And then you have another relationship, Paul and Barnabas. Let me just share a little bit about that relationship here. Uh, Acts chapter 15 says this. After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark, but Paul disagreed strongly. Since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia, and had not continued with them in their work. So these guys are church-going Christian brothers. And Paul was going one way, and Paul said, hey, let's go ahead and let's keep going, let's go to Pamphylia. But John Mark said, mm, I don't want to go there. So Paul took it personal. And verse 39 says their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas. And as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. Isn't that amazing? It might be a shocker. People at church, Christians, could all of a sudden walk two different directions. Anybody experience that? One person sits on this side of the worship center. The friend sits on this side of the worship center. One friend attends this worship service. The other friend attends this worship service. And we're not going to come together because we've just separated. You know what I'm talking about? As you see that in scripture. The beautiful thing about Paul and Barnabas, later on, you see reconciliation. Paul's heart is softened. We're looking at the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs talks a lot about friends. Talks a lot about friends. You know, in the church world, I, I think a big part of the reason why people go to church is because of friends. You know, you, you, who you hang out with is important, right? You want to hang out with people who have the same goals that you have. And, and, and we come to church, and sometimes that friendship, those friendships are, are stronger, you could make an argument, are even stronger than, than even your commitment to the church. Sometimes. And, and the, the relationship you have with that friend could influence your commitment to the church. It could even influence your commitment to the pastor because you have a personal relationship with people. So for better, for worse. Book of Proverbs, verse 20, chapter 18 says this. There are friends, who, let's read this out loud, guys. There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. Two types of friends there, aren't there? Two types of friends. There are friends. And incidentally, did you notice the difference? The, there are friends, quote, unquote. Have you ever had a friend, you know, friends like that, quote, unquote? And then, but it, it transitions to a singular friend. There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. And the writer is saying, Solomon is saying, you know what? I'd rather have one real friend than friends who will backstab you, who won't be there for you, who you can't trust. I'd rather have one real friend. This, this first part said there are friends who destroy each other. Let me help you out with this a little bit so you won't be surprised. Sometimes we could, uh, when, when, when we experience hurt by a friend, we can, uh, we can just hear the words or we can see the action. But I want to encourage you to dig a little bit. Um, when people destroy each other, 
It's a spiritual reason. There is something going on in that person's spiritual life that you are not talking about most of the time. You're not talking about it. There's something going on in their soul. There's something going on in their life. There's a conflict going on inside of them. And they're at war within themselves. They may not even like themselves. And that thing that's happening inside of them causes them, it comes out, and it causes them to say things that might surprise you at times. Someone once said it like this, hurt people, hurt people. That's what they do. Hurt people, hurt people. So when, when you experience hurt, the worst thing you can do is take it at surface value and just look at what they said. The best thing you can do is this, pray for them. Because there's something going on inside of their spirits, inside of their souls, that you're, you don't know, but God knows. And you can pray for them, and that, that is way more productive than you walking away. You walking away. Hurt people, hurt people. There's some toxic friendships that exist. And maybe, maybe you might be one of the toxic friends, or maybe you're in a toxic relationship. I want to give you seven types of toxic people, okay? We're just going to put them on the screen, and if you want to take a picture of your phone, you can do that. But these are seven types of toxic people. The first one is the conversational narcissist. They don't know how to listen. They do all the talking. They never ask you a question. They love to hear themselves talk. They, they, they love to do that. They do all the talking. They're self-centered, and they ignore your needs. You hear that? It's like, it's like you're talking to them, and they might say, and how are you doing? And as soon as you start talking, they'll talk over you and continue their conversation. You know what I'm talking about? They're in love with themselves. The conversational narcissist. You can't get a word in with them, those guys. Here's another one. The controlling person. They want to control everything around them. They want to control you. They freak out when you disagree with them. They nag you until you're in complete alignment with them. Eventually, here's the danger, eventually you feel like you need to impress them. Eventually. That could happen. Or number three is this, the emotional moocher. Now, if someone is like one of these characteristics and they're sitting right by you, don't elbow them or anything like that. It's, you can just keep looking straight ahead, you know. <laughs> uh, the emotional moocher. Uh, they suck the positivity out of you. They are negative people. They are critical people. They can never see the positive. They bring people down. And in fact, you feel drained after being with them. The emotional moocher. Or how about this? The drama magnet. You know, drama just follows them. And they go from like one problem to another problem, to another problem, to another problem. And you talk to them and you're like, well, did you, are you out of this? Yeah, I'm out of this problem, but I'm working through this now. Oh, okay. Are you out of, and you just like, or overwhelmed. They just go from one problem to another problem, to another problem, to another problem. And they want your empathy, but they don't want your advice. You know what I'm talking about? <clears throat> you have to constantly 
save this person and fix their problems. And it's never done. Something else happens. You know what I'm talking about? You don't know what I'm talking about. All right, here's number five. The judgmental person. They always find the wrong. They are critical. No one is ever enough. Everyone is lacking. They always talk about others. They're jealous of others. They live with an internal self-hate. Eventually, you can become negative just like them. You know, they see something and they're like, hey, wasn't this crazy? Yeah, but, you know, they have that, you know, ability. Yeah, but, you know, they can find something wrong. Or how about this one? The fibber. Isn't that a polite way as opposed to saying the liar? Yeah, the liar. They tell little lies, maybe white lies, sometimes major lies. They're comfortable with telling lies. And in fact, when they talk, you're always wondering, hmm, is this true or not true? You're always wondering, are they saying, and you're doubting their words. They've lost credibility with you. And eventually, you might find yourself sharing a little lie yourself because you hang out with them. And the last one is the arrogant. They're never wrong. They're never wrong. Their opinion is always right. Always right. Your opinion is not as important as their opinion. It's not. They genuinely think they are the smartest in the room. Genuinely. Every conversation they have is a challenge for them that it must be won over by them. They just live like that. They just live, they feel like, you know what? I have the ability to put people in place. I have the ability to see through stuff. I have the ability to, I'm rarely wrong. I have the ability to correct people. And they're arrogant people. It's hard to be in a relationship with someone who's arrogant, arrogant like that. Um, Paul said in Corinthians, don't be misled, bad company corrupts good character. Bad company. Uh, Paul is giving this warning, and he's saying, look, you may, you may be doing or trying to do the right things, but if you have the wrong friends, choose your friends wisely. If you have the wrong friends, it could actually impact you. So in other words, here, here's another way to say it. Who you eat with matters. Who you partner with matters. Or how about this one? Who you game with matters. Just because that person lives in Sweden or something like that or another country doesn't mean they're not influencing you. Who you game with, who you eat with, who you hang with, who you sit with, it all matters. That's the, that's the value of coming to church. I mean, the assumption is we all want to have a relationship with God, right? We all, we all, all of us want to experience God, and we're kind of you know, looking at that same goal. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Here's five characteristics. I'm, I'm giving points this week. You don't know why. Here's five characteristics of a real friend. Here it is. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6 says this. Many will say they are loyal friends, but who can find one who is truly, what church? Reliable. So there's the first one. A real friend is reliable. 
It's that person who says, I'll be there, and they're there. You know what I'm talking about? It's that person who does what they say they're going to do. It's that person who makes time for you. You can count on them. In fact, if there's a whole bunch of people, but if you know what that person is coming, you're like, I don't know if the other one's going to show up, but I know he will show up, or I know she will show up. Those are special friends. They don't try to, you know, jostle out of a responsibility or jostle. Your problem is their problem, and you know it. Verse 24 says a real friend sticks closer than a brother. They stick closer than a brother. I think uh, when, when we look at friendships and we think, okay, when does someone, like, graduate from being a, a, a friend to a real friend? Think about that for a little bit. When does that happen? Uh, and I think uh, one of the ways that might happen is you start sharing your problems with them, or they start sharing their problems with you. Because when, when it's just a, an acquaintance, how are you doing? Good. Right? Or maybe a friend, how are you doing? Doing good. How are you? That's kind of what we do. But real friends, how are you doing? Man, I just had a fight with my wife last night, and it has not been doing well. I have not been doing good at all. I slipped the other night, and I watched something that I shouldn't have watched. I need you to pray for me. Boy, I'm just feeling depressed. I'm battling depression this week. I'm in a low right now. Those are real friends. Those who open up like that. Real friends will hang out with you out of context. You know, you might see them at church or you might see them at school, but they graduate when you're out of that context. You're no longer in church or school or work or whatever it might be, and you're hanging out now at another place, maybe you're hanging out at Starbucks. All of a sudden, the relationship changes, doesn't it? When it's out of context like that. Or, check this out, they show up. They just show up. You know, showing up is half the battle. Just showing up. Some, sometimes just showing up already ministers to someone and, and they see like, wow, look at you. You're here. There's something about the power of the presence. Just showing up is a big deal. It's a big deal. They're reliable. How about this? They respond to your texts. <laughs> they call you back. How about that? Pretty simple, isn't it? Oh, we're learning to be friends here today. Paul said, encourage each other and build each other up. And there's a second one. A real friend encourages you. You love to hang out with them because you feel better about life. You feel better about yourself. You feel better about the problems you're facing. So you love to hang out with them because you know what they do? They lift you up. Don't you like to be lifted up and, and encouraged? Isn't that, isn't that a good thing? I mean, it's easy to be negative. It's easy to be discouraged when we go through challenges in life, lose your job or a relationship, you know, goes south or whatever it is, or you make a bad moral decision. It's easy to be discouraged about life. But a real friend comes alongside you and they lift you up. They see things a little bit different than everyone else. They see things with a different perspective. Instead of you looking at things with a negative perspective, they can look at it and see the positive and say, no, come on now. Come on now. When I talk to people at church, and, and I always tell them, you're, you're farther along than you think. 
You're here at church. Praise God. <laughs> God's hearing you. You're breathing right now. God's grace is over your life. God is good. A real friend encourages you. Right, Solomon said this, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. That's a tough place to be. Someone who doesn't have a relationship with other people. And they go through a difficult time. And sometimes those people who don't have many relationships, you know, if you don't have many relationships, let's just pick on church a little bit. If you don't have many relationships at church, don't be upset that nobody called you when you went through a problem. Because nobody knows it. So don't throw rocks at the church. Same thing with the office or whatever. If you have a relationship, if you don't have any relationships in the office or you don't have any relationships at school, well, don't expect them to know what's going on in your life. So don't be so judgmental on them. It's way better when you have a relationship with people and you talk with them and let them know, hey, this is what I'm going through. And so now, you know what? God will use your problem to minister to someone else, because then you can say, this is what God did, and you, somebody can pray for you. When you go through a hard time, and you can say, I just need prayer. That's powerful. That is so powerful. Read Proverbs 27 says this, here it goes. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Hear that. A real friend speaks truth in love to you. That's a real friend. A real friend will tell you, your breath smells, bro. <laughs> you got to be, oh, man. You need to take a shower. Your words are sharp. You bring people down. Your face says, go away. Your resting face is not a pleasant-looking face, you know what I mean? A real friend. You shouldn't be going out with that girl, brother. You shouldn't be going on that date. Mm -mm -mm. Don't do that. You shouldn't be going to that liquor store. Don't go to there. Don't go to the bottle. You shouldn't be doing that. You should be at church. We've missed you. A real friend is able to talk to you. And this verse is saying that there might be some wounds because sometimes it hurts when people tell us the truth. Sometimes it hurts. It reminds me of that time. This was, this was I want to preface this by saying this was quite a few years ago. Uh, I was about to preach, and uh, we, were at, we were at a school, Prairie Hills Elementary, and there was a guy right before I went up to preach Literally, like 10 minutes before I was preaching, he was attending church, and he leaned over to me, and he said, Pastor, I just want you to know you're really gaining a lot of weight. You're getting fat, and somebody has to speak the truth to you. I wanted him to say, like, I had no idea. I've never seen myself naked in front of a mirror. I have, I have no idea. That would <laughs> like, what are you but I knew his heart. I knew his heart. I knew his heart. When someone tells you the truth, there's sometimes a wound behind that because they're exposing something. Your temper is a problem. Your tone of voice is a problem. Your lack of responsibility 
is a problem. You say things and you don't follow up. That's a problem. Whatever it is, when they say things to you, it might hurt a little bit, and that's where that wound part, but, but Solomon is saying, you know what, that wound right there is better than a thousand kisses from an enemy. The thing about that wound also, here's the other side of that, is you have to be willing to accept the truth. That's the other side. The other side is you, you have to be like, okay, um, I heard that. You know what? They're right. That's, that's a hard part, isn't it? Right, guys? In fact, sometimes when people say things to us and they think they're in that friend level, and they might think they're in that friend level, but you don't see them in that level, and they're trying to be, they're speaking truth and love. They can speak truth and love to you, but if it's something that is sensitive to you, about you, you can walk away from the friendship. How dare you talk about my woman? How dare you talk about my kids? My kids are perfect. How dare you talk about money? How dare you talk about politics? I don't want to talk about politics. You know what? I'm going to avoid you because we don't vote the same way, and I can't believe that. And, and I, there are, we walk away because of the words of someone else. You'd rather be hurt by a friend than kissed by an enemy. Have you ever been kissed by an enemy? Have you ever talked to someone and they say all these nice words to you, but you know they have said other things about you to someone else, and they don't know that you know, because that person has told you, hey, they said this about you. You know what I'm talking about? Have, have anyone ever thrown rocks at you over a rumor, over some accusation? Has anyone believed the worst about you without ever asking you what happened? Has anyone ever just believed the lie instead of the truth? Have you experienced any of those things? Have you ever been kissed by an enemy? They say the right things, but they're really not your friend. They have other motives. King David, I love Psalms because you see so much of this stuff, and he knows what it's like to be kissed by enemies. In Psalm chapter 41, he says, they visit me as if they were my friends. But all the while, they, are, they gather gossip. And when they leave, they spread it everywhere. All who hate me whisper about me, imagining the worst. He has some fatal disease, they say. He will never get out of that bed. Even, at, even my best friend, the one I trusted completely, the one who shared my food, has turned against me. I want to read this in another version because this is a word that you look at in the New Testament and Jesus compares it, or it's compared to Judas Iscariot who betrayed Jesus. Psalm chapter 41, verse 9. This is not going to be on the screen. Even my close friend, in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. I think um, David is, is talking about these different levels. 
I think we could expect to be hurt by certain people, or the possibility, right? You know, we have that, that Dunbar circle thing, you know, but those people, but when it gets closer to that, you know, that five, <laughs> you know, that intimate five, I mean, like, I went to Chipotle with them, you know what I mean? We hung out at Starbucks together. I shared something from my heart with that guy. I opened up. How about this? We served the Lord together. We dreamed together. He was a partner in my business. I babysit her kids. You know what I'm talking about? And when you get to that level, there's this trust that there's, that's there. Trust is beautiful, isn't it? Trust is precious. But when it's lost, it takes some time to rebuild it. It is possible to rebuild it. But it takes some time. But trust is foundational in any friendship. It's foundational. And David said, they turned against me. I've been there before. I've been there before. I've poured into someone before, and I've been hurt before by them. There's a, a stat that I came across. The average person loses one friend a year. It's a stat. I don't, I don't know how accurate this is, but this is what the stat said. The average person loses one friend a year, and I don't know what level of friendship, but they say this, the average pastor loses seven friends a year. Yeah. And when I, th when I first heard that, I thought, well, that seems high. And then I thought, well, how many people, you know, that you pour into that you love on stop going to church? Well, maybe... Maybe it's pretty close. A real friend can be trusted completely. Trusted completely. Trust is broken, incidentally, when you feel betrayed. That's when trust is broken. Or you feel abused. Or you feel unheard. Or you feel manipulated. That's when trust is broken. Proverbs chapter 16 says, a troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. Gossip. Did you hear what she did? Did she hear what he did? Can you, I can't believe they did that. I can't believe it. And then they believe it, right? And you might be over here not knowing anything. They may never come to you for clarification, they may never come over here and say, hey, is this true? The reason why they don't do that is most of us don't know how to confront in a loving way. Most of us don't know how to work through miscommunication or problems, and we just rather leave it alone. We don't want to touch it. But it affects relationships. It affects relationships. Colossians chapter 3 says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, let's read it out loud, church. The Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Wow, there it is. There's the mic drop moment right there. I should just let it go right there. A real friend forgives like Jesus. That's a real friend. A real friend has been changed by God's grace. So much so that they cannot hold a grudge. Because God didn't hold a grudge with them. A real friend is grateful for the forgiveness of their sins.
they know where they would be if it wasn't for the grace of God. They know they were one step away from going down that same road. They know the only thing that separates them from you or them is they didn't get caught. You know what I'm talking about? A real friend appreciates the grace of God so much so they look at another soul and it doesn't matter what they look like, where they live, what car they drive, what house, what doesn't matter. They just know that's a soul that's loved by God, made in the image of God, and God loves them. They're a child of God. And their relationship with that person is so great because their relationship with God is so great. They care about it. I got to read this to you. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. You know how to separate yourself from a friend? Dwell on the wrong that they did to you. Dwell on it. If you dwell on it, you're going to become resentful. You're going to become bitter. It's going to make you angry. Just that's a, that's a strategy of the devil. The devil wants you to dwell on things that will bring you down. The devil wants you to dwell on things that will separate you from people that love you. The devil wants you to dwell on things that will cause you to walk away from relationships and walk away from church. And even ultimately, here's the devil's agenda. Ultimately, the devil wants you to walk away from God. Ultimately, they call themselves a Christian. If that's what Christianity is all about, yeah. You know what? I'll have my own relationship with God at home. Dwell on it. Jesus said this in John chapter 15. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends. This is the words of Jesus. You are my friends if you what? Do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my, what church? Since I told you everything the Father told me. I thought about this and I thought, I think one of the, one of the like uh, characteristics of a friendship is um, what you share with people. You know what I'm talking about? Like you, you, you share something that's personal and you're like oh that is this is inside information right here you know what i'm talking about it's like you just you're just dropping something right here i always say you're dropping pearls because the scripture talks about pearls and i when i do that with people i i you know you know it's like i just drop something precious in front of your feet and i'll tell them i just dropped some pearls right in front of you brother don't step all over them you know what i'm talking about those pearls and I, I think about that. It's like when we have a conversation, you know, in the car, in the hall, at school, or whatever it is, and you know they're sharing something with you that's special to them. That's a meaningful moment in that relationship, isn't it? And then, you know what the Lord Jesus showed me? That's what he's doing with us right here. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything. Put that verse up again, Steve. Since I have told you everything. Since I have told you 
everything the Father has told me. So Jesus is like, I just want you to know what's going down. I want you to know, God, my Father, sent me into this world to save the world from their sins so people could know me, so people can experience heaven on earth, so people can be saved from a path of destruction that ultimately leads to hell. And Jesus is like confiding in them and saying, I just want you to know this is going to happen. This is going down. So you're going to join me here? Isn't that beautiful? And Jesus started, I'll put this verse back up, verse 12. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There it is. See, you aren't the one that gets to define love it's been defined in Jesus Christ you are not the one that gets to define grace and mercy and forgiveness it's been defined at the cross Jesus went for to the cross for us he's the one who defines love and grace and mercy he is the one who defines all of that and we have this we can look at the cross and because of Jesus we can, we're now Jesus is saying I want you to love others the same way I have loved you that's how you know that's how you know if someone really has a relationship with God that's how you know they're so close to Jesus that they look at even their enemy. <laughs> they look at that person who gets on their nerves. They look at that person who maybe requires, you know, the extra grace required person. You know what I'm talking about? And they love them. And they love them. And they love them. And I love the fact in this whole passage, Jesus says, you're my friends. Isn't that cool? You're my friends. He's a friend of sinners. Glory to God. Aren't you glad for that? That he's a friend of sinners. Aren't you glad? I am glad. Thank you, Lord. Here's what I want to say to you. Some of you, you're not a good friend. Maybe you've been hurt. Whatever it is, you need to turn to Jesus today. Jesus can help you with that. Jesus can lift you up. Jesus wants you to experience his forgiveness and his mercy and his grace. Let me say this to men. Men, you will experience more from Jesus than any woman you ever date or marry. You will experience more from Jesus. That woman cannot give you what Jesus can give you. Ladies, the same thing. Same thing. That man cannot fill you like Jesus. He cannot. And those of you who are younger, praise the Lord. You're in church right now. You're in church right now. You're at a point right now where you can say, I'm going to walk with Jesus the rest of my life. Right now, I'm going to do it, baby. Right now. Do it. Don't wait another day. You have a God who loves you. He wants to take the burdens. He wants to relieve you from the guilt. He wants to take off the shame. He wants you to know him as Lord and Savior. He's a friend of the tax collector and the sinner, and he loves you and he cares about you. You want some of that? Let me pray for you guys. I feel like I could keep preaching. I gotta stop. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for going to the cross for us. If you need to forgive a friend, 
maybe you need God's help. Maybe you need to say this. God, I need your help. It's a hard one. I have learned to hold a grudge. I have learned to be bitter. I have learned to blame others. God, I ask you right now to touch my heart. Take out that heart of resentment and bitterness. Take it out and instead give me a heart of love and grace. Help me to see them through your eyes. Jesus, help me to love them just like you have loved me. Help me. Maybe you need to say, Jesus, I want to become a Christian right now. And I want to ask you into my heart. I want to ask you to be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for my sins. Today, I want to walk with you. So give me a new appetite to be in your presence, a new appetite to read your word. Do that. God, work in every heart. If God has stirred your heart, would you just respond right now? Tell God what you need him to do. Lord, I pray that every soul here has a friend or finds a friend who loves you with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. Surround every soul with multiple friends like that. We need all types of friends, but we especially need friends who are locking arms with us to pursue your purpose. Thank you, God. Thank you for your grace. Jesus, thank you for choosing to be a friend to us. Continue to work in our lives. One more thing. If you've been that toxic person, say this, God, forgive me. Change my heart, oh God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Lead me to the way of everlasting. I want to be a blessing to others. Help me to be a better friend. Thank you, God, for your good grace. Thank you for your mercy. You're so good. And we praise you. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.